Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> Welcome to Friday, Dolphins fans. Kick up your feet. Pour yourself a nice heavy pour of something. We've got NFL Combine tonight on our television screens. We do. I'm Kyle Krabs. I'm your host of Locked On Dolphins. I'm here in Indianapolis, and I'm stoked. We saw a good Justin Herbert workout yesterday. We got continuous flow of information. And the most important thing that I heard yesterday, let's be completely honest, it has nothing to do with the Miami Dolphins, but it also does. Tom Brady is looking increasingly like he's not going to be our problem anymore. And this is cause for celebration. I'm going to save the big celebration for when he actually leaves and goes wherever he wants to go. Probably Tennessee which then will, of course, from a Dolphins domino perspective, cause a whole new frenzy about Tannehill, one and done, and whatever. And I'm not interested in talking about that right now. But I do want to talk about is Tom Brady, the dynamics of the team, and where this is going to go from here, because Combine is the first big domino for the offseason where everybody's together, you start having these conversations. And look, it it's starting to be pretty clear what's about to happen. So we have a point of realization with Tom Brady and the New England Patriots and this dynasty that's tormented the Miami Dolphins and the rest of the AFC East for two decades now. That this might really be it, which we've known was a possibility, but it it became so hard to wrap your head around the prospect of Yes, Tom Brady is going to play football somewhere else. He made it very clear uh, with the tease and the Super Bowl commercial, and he's not going anywhere. He's going to continue playing football. But we've reached kind of this tipping point where you look at the New England Patriots roster. You look at their salary cap situation. You look at the age dynamics of Tom Brady and what the Patriots are going to be able to do to try and help him win. And you look at some of the egos that are finally starting to get into play here. And and we've heard about it before with Belichick and Brady and the TB12 system and all that nonsense. And like this, right, this, this is coming to a head now. And and then Jeff Darlington, uh, ESPN's terrific reporter, former Dolphins uh, coverage guy, comes on ESPN's Get Up programming yesterday and says he would be stunned if Tom Brady came back to the Patriots. And here's the thing. If Jeff Darlington says it, it's probably going to happen. So as a Dolphins fan, A, first of all, how thrilled are you that the last game you played against Tom Brady is a member of the New England Patriots if this materializes? You beat him. And you beat him in the way that for so many years, he beat you. You've played a good game. You're in position. You have a lead late in the game. And then the opposing quarterback, a.k.a. Tom Brady, goes 
right down the field, minute and a half, two minutes, and all of a sudden, you all this hard work, you've put yourself in position. The other team gets the ball one time and needs to go the length of the field, and Tom Brady did it to the Dolphins time and time again, just like he did to everybody. And the last game he played as a member of the New England Patriots in the regular season against the Miami Dolphins, because Lord knows they haven't played any playoff games against each other. Ryan Fitzpatrick gave Tom Brady the Tom Brady to the Dolphins treatment. It's poetic. It's beautiful. And it's like this, the, the Patriots, if they lose Tom, you can piece together some things to try and continue to extend your run. But they're like, they'd be losing Tom Brady, Joe Tooney, the, the all-pro offensive guard, McCourty, the safety, who's been one of the best safeties in football playing in that defense, Kyle Van Noy. The list goes on and on. I mean, this, this is not just, and, and they, you've got $45 million in cap space. A good starting quarter. Tom Brady would take two-thirds of your cap space. And it's like, okay, if Tom comes back to New England, he's coming back because you're going to build around him on the offense. Well, Tom's taking two-thirds of the cap. You're losing your best offensive lineman. You're losing three starters on defense. And you got $15 million in cap to work with. And, oh, by the way, you don't have a ton of cap uh, draft picks at your disposal because you traded a two for Mohamed Sanu. The Patriots are in a rough spot, and we're here in Indy, and it's like this information's now finally starting to flow, and it's like, yeah, man, like, this might be done. We, we might not have to play Tom Brady as the quarterback of the New England Patriots ever again. I don't know about you, but that's a beautiful thing to hear. What would undoubtedly not be beautiful in this scenario is... If Ryan were to go to New England, because bless us, bless the narratives that we would be subjective to, especially if he ends up being successful. Uh, I think the the Titans are the likely destination at this point. I know the Raiders want to throw money at him, at Tom Brady, but I think the Titans are a much more friendly projection for Tom with their team philosophies and wanting to run the football and be smash mouth. And, you know, Ryan was good in play action, but Tom Brady's still Tom Brady. And, like, if you could take 32-year-old Ryan Tannehill coming off winning comeback player of the year and pay him $30 million this year on the franchise tag, or you can pay Tom Brady $28, $29 million knowing he's seen what he's seen as far as being a starting quarterback in the NFL – and hope that he can be the intangible that puts you over the top working with Titans head coach Mike Vrabel, who Tom played with in New England under Bill Belichick. There's enough dots that you start to connect these here, and it makes some sense. And that's all I'm going to say on this matter. At this point in time, like I said, we'll reserve the big celebration for if and when Tom says deuces to the Pats. Uh, what we do need to talk about, though, the NFL Combine here in Indianapolis. I am not on Radio Row today. Uh, I am, however, very much excited by some of what we are going to see mainly this weekend. Of course, the quarterbacks worked out yesterday. Uh, 
But the the dirty little secret about quarterbacks at the NFL Combine is I really don't care. I don't care what you run. Just don't run 5-5, five, five, right? If I can outrun you, by the way, I've ran a 40-time faster than Tom Brady in the last 12 months. Sorry, Tom. Really, the only way that my eyebrows are going to raise is if you're super slow and you're not explosive. So for Justin Herbert to go out and run 4.68 and have a 35-and-a-half-inch vert and be really athletic, you knew he was athletic. And it doesn't change the fact that if you're trying to project Justin Herbert into an NFL offense, the questions with him are mainly about mental processing and the offense that he was in versus Oregon versus the offense that you're going to put him in at the college le- or at the pro level. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see Tua work out, but we, we knew that was going to be the case. And we're going to have to wait until April 9th is the target date for Tua to throw. The doomsday scenario for Tua is he doesn't get cleared, he's not able to throw. Because if he's not able to throw, you guys remember a couple years ago, uh, Jalen Smith, the linebacker from Notre Dame. This was generally considered to be a top five talent in the NFL draft the year that he was coming out, and he suffered an ugly, horrible, like horrific knee injury in UC, uh, Notre Dame's bulky. And he ended up lasting until the early second round because there were too many medical question marks. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to Tua, but you at least have to acknowledge the scenario in which if you're not able to get on the field and you have an injury that's kind of murky as far as what your long-term prognosis is, The Dallas Cowboys drafted Jalen Smith in the early second round, not knowing if he was ever going to be able to play football again. I don't think the Tua situation is that serious, and I I definitely isn't being put off that way in the media. But uh, again, we're in that time of year where anything that's out is because people want to hear that it's out. Like from a HIPAA violation or from a HIPAA perspective, if you're not familiar with healthcare laws, the doctors at Indy's combine aren't going to get out of work and ring up their buddies or Ian Rappaport and say, hey, yeah, by the way, uh, two is good to go. So even the positive prognosis stuff that we're continuing to get, just like that, don't, it's what we talked about earlier this week. And I've had a blast running Locked On Dolphins this week, and I'm really looking forward to to continuing these narratives and, and kind of exploring this team building process with you guys. Don't marry yourself to that bit of news. Just... Tread carefully. And if you want Tua, like, I absolutely positively love Tua's film. And I think Tua, the football talent, I like where he is at right now much more than I like Justin Herbert. You know, I I have first-round grades on both these quarterbacks, but Tua is still marginally higher as far as his grade than Justin Herbert is. But they're two first-round quarterbacks, and, and I know I'm going to get these questions for months now. It's like, how can you bail on Tua? How can you want Justin Herbert? And it's like, I'm going to be happy with either guy because if the Dolphins want him, they'll make it happen. If they go through their vetting process and they see things that they don't like, whether it's medical, whether it's long-term, whether even if I would disagree with it, it is 
the, the, the skills on the field. If the Dolphins make that determination and they choose to draft Justin Herbert, I'm not going to be mad that they chose one first-round quarterback over another first-round quarterback when I myself am going to have like top 15 grades on both guys. It's a flavor thing. It's, it's a mesh and match. And I'd be surprised if the Dolphins picked Herbert. But I'd be receptive to it. And I think that's the mentality that, that needs to take place. But again, Tua didn't get a chance to work out. And Herbert, of course, you know, there's no pass rush. There's no defenders. It's literally you just throwing to a receiver on air. And color a stunned that Herbert, who has the best physical tools of any quarterback in the class, Knocked it out of the frickin' park. Are we going to sit here and be surprised? So now I guarantee you, if he hasn't written it already, because Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald has been that guy that's been like, yeah, Dolphins, Dolphins might be leaning Herbert. He's the guy that said that already. Don't be surprised if he hasn't already come out and written. It's 7.45 a.m. on Friday morning right now. Don't be surprised if he's like, yeah, Herbert crushed his workout. He's definitely, like, the momentum's moving towards the Dolphins picking him. Because if that's what you felt before the workout, pff, affirmation confirmed, of course. Those, are, those were never the issues with Justin. And yeah, you watch him throw, and it's like, holy cow. This dude's like, he's got a golden arm. And he does have a golden arm. It's just, does he know how to use it yet? And there's some interesting dynamics with Justin as an individual and a f- football player and, and how his journey to Oregon may or may not ha- have shaped what the impressions, early impressions of him were uh, when he was still in school. Uh, but that's a discussion for another day. Uh, we've got some continual odds and ends, I suppose, to get into here. Uh, Mark Walton, running, former running back of the Miami Dolphins, uh, arrested yesterday for a uh, restraining order violation against the mother of his child. If you remember, Walton was signed to Miami last spring. A team gave him a second chance. He's from University of Miami. Uh, he was arrested three times last offseason as a member of the Bengals, got cut. Dolphins signed him, picked him up. And you thought, okay, if he's going to go anywhere and he's going to get his life together. It's going to be in Miami with the Brian Flores coaching staff and the support staff that they're able to give. It's a familiar environment. It's a player-friendly coach. Hope for the best. Well, he got suspended in season for his transgressions off the field. And midway through his his four-game suspension, he has a domestic violence incident and is cut from the team promptly, like very quickly, which the Dolphins deserve credit for. And now this. And this is this is something that is a very difficult thing to get your head around because people are going to hear Mark Walton got arrested again, and they're just going to say, "Well, Mark Walton's an idiot," or "Mark Walton, you know, what an a hole." But Mark Walton needs help. I think is the important thing as us Dolphins fans. If you see this headline or you see that name. Hope he gets help, you know, because football, like he's done with football, as he should be. Right now, the most important thing for him is to, you know, A, for th- those around him to ensure the safety of his child and the mother of his child and make sure that there's no conflict there. And then from there, 
Like Mark needs guidance and structure and remediation and, and help. And I think that, that anytime you get these players who are continuously in the news and acting out or lashing out, you know, it, it can be seen as a cry for help. And, and like Mark needs guidance. And you've seen how some of these stories end where bad decisions lead to worse decisions and worse decisions lead to more frequent bad decisions. And next thing you know, like there's this really tragic ending to this story. And I, and I hope we don't get here with Mark, but I did want to acknowledge Mark Walton on the podcast today because uh, it, this was a verbal dispute against, and, and that violated the restraining order. So it's not like he kicked her door in, but like this string of decision-making is troublesome. And us as fans of the teams, we tend to desensitize ourselves to these are human beings. Uh, these aren't just uh, little avatars on your screen when you're you're playing the game, uh, when you're playing Madden. You know, this is a human being, and he's influencing another human being, and they have a child together. And for that child to potentially bear the responsibility of of Mark's troubled actions and decision-making right now for the rest of their life if something tragic were to happen is a thought that I, I, I don't think any of us want to see. So I thought it was worth worthwhile talking about. I know it's not the most fun thing to discuss, but these are like real-life issues. And, and you know, being in the football industry to the degree that I am in which I scout college players and I write about the Dolphins and now I'm podcasting about the Dolphins on a daily basis, like – I get, I get to at least see the other side of the, the curtain a little bit and see the, the behind the scenes and, and talking to some of these players here in Indianapolis and, and really engaging players, right? Like intelligent, smart, layered, nuanced people, not just football players. I had a chance last night I went out with an a NFL offensive lineman who, who's still you know, a- active in the league and – I don't want to name names or anything like that, but just having a chance to, to sit down with him and a couple of our colleagues at the Draft Network for dinner, it was a delight. And, and getting a chance to, to hear him and his thoughts on the CBA and, and what he does outside of football and where he sees like his five, 10-year plan. Like he's a, a, a long-tenured player in the NFL. And these are people. And, and acknowledging the Mark Walton thing is just hope for the best there, Dolphins fans, please. We'll be right back after this brief pause for for sponsor identification. All right, Dolphins fans, we're back. We're coming around the home stretch here, wrapping up my first week of Locked On Dolphins. I gave some thought into how I wanted to end this first week. And of course, we're going to talk about quarterbacks, but a specific discussion that... It's more of a reactionary bit to something that Mel Kuyper brought to the table for ESPN. Mel Kuyper said, you can have all the Chase Youngs you want, but if you don't have a quarterback, you're spinning your wheels. Talking about the Washington Redskins, you should take Tua, too. No doubt about that. If Haskins turns out to be better than Tua, let them battle it out. See who the best man is. What if this came to fruition? This would be a really fascinating domino. 
Because I don't think it's just as simple as we'll take Herbert at five. If you take Herbert, or if if Washington and Cincinnati go Tua and Burrow with the first two picks, Detroit at three still is a hurdle to clear for Miami if they want a quarterback. But I think if that if it whittles the field, whether it's well, obviously now you're starting to hear uh, some whispers this morning that Dave Gettleman might be receptive to trading out of four for the first time in his career to go get Derrick Brown. And it's like, of course the Giants are going to leak this out because there's you know hype and steam about potentially two quarterbacks now that Justin Herbert's like really establishing himself as a legitimate lock into the top six, seven, eight picks. The Giants are not going to trade out a four and draft Derek Brown, but they would like to try and somebody's manipulating the market here, right? Matt Lombardo of uh, New Jersey advanced media said, uh, on paper, Giants don't appear to be the sort of team that needs to draft another defensive tackle when they have more pressing needs at linebacker, corner, and offensive line. But Gettleman might have a hard time passing up Brown with the Giants' pick. Multiple NFL town evaluators told Matt Lombardo that the Giants are serious about trading back in this year's draft and Brown being their top target. Like, fam, the Giants have taken like 10 defensive tackles in the first two rounds in the last three years. They can't even lie right. This is this smokescreen season is makes no sense. The Giants drafted Christian Wilkins' running mate, Dexter Lawrence, in the top 20 last year. The team also has recently drafted in the second round Dalvin Tomlinson. The team also traded two picks, including a third-round pick this year, for Leonard Williams, who's on a contract year this year, and is now up for renewal, and if you don't sign him, you gave away all your picks for nothing, and you were like a terrible football team this year at the trade deadline when you traded for him. They're not, they're not, they can't. Mathematically speaking, if he did it, they'd probably fire Gettleman before the card got turned in and have somebody else make the pick. This is, I don't know who's starting this, but this makes no sense. And so, from the quarterback's perspective, if you've got one and two that go quarterback, it does change things. Because Chase Young now available at three, does Detroit just lock in and then the Giants are are potentially looking to manipulate the draft board and and draft offers and they're they're trying to find something that's going to blow them away and maybe just kind of undercut the, the the Lions a little bit. I have no idea. And that's the whole point. And don't let anybody tell you that they figured everything out because there are breadcrumbs, and for every 10, there's two that are true, and there's eight that are complete nonsense. So I cannot fathom the Giants trading back and drafting another defensive tackle in Derrick Brown. I cannot see it. Would I put it past Dave Gettleman? No, probably not, unfortunately. But it's highly unlikely. So as far as the Tua to two scenario, it does change the dynamics for Miami 
to sit tight. I don't think Detroit would take Herbert. I think their whole appeal is, or their whole rumored appeal is Tua and his intangibles and the fit there. If Washington did that, no, I'm going to cut you off right now. Don't call and ask about Dwayne Haskins. Haskins, the Dolphins had their chance to take him last year. They didn't want him. Maybe they didn't feel like they were ready for him, but regardless, he wasn't the pick. And I wouldn't, after seeing what we've seen this year, I wouldn't make him the pick again this year either. Even with like 56. You know, the, the, the Dolphins already swung the bat once, and I endorsed swinging the bat for a quarterback that I liked in the draft process for cheap in Josh Rosen. But, you know, at some point, you've done all the work and groundwork that you've done to get a quarterback. So either you like Justin Herbert as much as I, I honestly truly believe that they do, and if Tua goes too, you sit tight at five, you have absolutely no urgency, you make that pick. Or if you don't, I'm trading the hell out of five. I'm going back. Who wants to jump up in front of the Chargers and get Justin Herbert? LA or Las Vegas Raiders? You guys got 12 and 19. Want to give up 12 and 19 and we'll give you five and then the Dolphins can kind of revisit, you know, how do we manufacture another pick for 2021 and make sure we position ourselves for the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields arms race. And the unfortunate reality is there's going to be some hot competition there. The Carolina Panthers are going to stink next year. Cam, Cam Newton's probably not going to be a Carolina Panthers quarterback. And the new head coach team that has already sent out the letters, like we've talked about earlier on the show, that team's going to be in Trevor's kind of local kid to that area. He's close. He's not super local, but he's local enough relative to the rest of the league. That feels like the play. So you're going to have some hot competition if you're dreaming of Trevor Lawrence. And as we've already seen this year, you don't freaking tank with the attention of one player because so much stuff, censor myself, changes. Don't do it. Put yourself in the position to make the best decisions possible. Find the players that fit your puzzle and don't look back. If Justin Herbert's that guy, great. If Tua Tungavail is that guy, great. If the Washington Redskins feel like two is that guy for them, don't let Dwayne Haskins be that guy because you've already rolled that dice once. It didn't work out well. And that's not to say Dwayne Haskins won't be a quality starting quarterback in the NFL. But it's not the route the Dolphins need to be, be pursuing every single time because you've already got a cheap, passed-over first-round quarterback that's still young and still has arm talent. It's just can the light bulb come on. Remains to be seen. But based on how aggressively the Dolphins are attacking the quarterback position, doesn't look promising. Kyle Krabs, locked on Dolphins, week one, in the books. Salute to everybody who tuned in to listen. I greatly appreciate you take time out of your day. All week this week, it's been a pleasure to bring you some coverage here uh, from Indianapolis, from the NFL Combine. I'll be back again on Monday for one more day of NFL Combine coverage before I'm home, home base. We'll get into a nice little rhythm. I'll bring you guys into the fray next week. Do some fan-oriented stuff. Make sure this show can be a show for you, the fans. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Make sure you tune in, check out some offensive linemen and running back workouts today on NFL Network.